think I used up my four minutes. <laughs> that was pretty awesome, that slideshow. Thanks for all the pictures. It's pretty cool. Foster children deserve the chance to be children, to be a part of a family, to live up to their potential. To achieve this, Angel's Arms provides homes, resources, and emotional support to experienced foster parents so that they can raise the standard of care for foster children. Angel's Arms strives to keep sibling groups together and partners with foster parents, community supporters, organizations, and other nonprofits to provide a loving home environment and help children become successful citizens. Angel's Arms will become the national knowledgeable authority to which decision makers turn for counsel about foster children and their needs. This is the vision statement for the organization Angel's Arms. Good morning, I'm Allison Schwent. Um, I'm married to Matt and we have three daughters that are 13, 11, and nine. Um, and if you were here, well, would have been here at North last year share, at the sharing time, I'll just tell you, I won't talk as long as my husband did. <laughs> so last year was our first year volunteering. After being assigned to Angel Arms Pool, I thought we hit the jackpot of service projects. Swimming in a pool with kids, check. The Schwent family, we can, hit, we can do this. Then the morning was canceled due to weather and we decided uh, to be reassigned. The kids were devastated and there was no pool party. Historically, Angel's Arms has graciously been hosted by a Green Tree family but could not do it this year. They needed a new home to host, and Nancy Pratt and Sarah McGinnis thought of our Kirkwood neighborhood pool to host it. Our president, Terry Schultz, who happens to be here this morning, readily agreed, and my husband brilliantly suggested that I captain it. As Matt headed another team, I quickly reached out to mine. The responses I received were this, put me down for, I'll get the whatever, wherever you need me. I began to feel very equipped. I wasn't doing this alone. We were set up, and in, and in came the first family. Bian walks in first. He's about twice my size at 16 years old, and I'm immediately smiling, and my heart is just filled with hope. He's looking at the pool, and you could tell he couldn't, just, he, he couldn't wait to jump in. This is going to be a good day. Family started coming in from around St. Louis. I feel a little awkward, though, right? I mean, this is the first time I've done this. Great-grandma Ann walks in. And she hugs me. She hugs me, and she hugs just about everybody who's volunteering there. She's fostered kids for over 15 years. She's done this before. But she's on my turf, and she hugs me, and my anxiety is gone. This is a good day. My sweet friend, Linda Nash, who hosted previously with her sister, Dee Powers, said to me, you're getting ready to fall in love over and over again. The youngest 15-month-old, Zoe, steals our hearts and we find ourselves fighting over who's going to hold her next. We are in love. The stories go on. All the kids are gratefully swimming, laughing, playing in the pool, something they rarely get to do. Parents are relaxing poolside, something they rarely get to do. The day winds down and everyone goes home. I later learned one volunteer last week decided they were going to take their first steps into fostering. And then they learned they were placed on the Angels Arms team. I also learned one volunteer connected with a mom whose house she painted last year at 2028. I witnessed another volunteer 
teach a non-swimmer to jump off the diving board without a flotation device and safely swim to the side of the pool. My three daughters want to know when we can get back together with their new friends. Life, community, God orchestrated. There's something about serving that fills us up. And it's Jesus. He came to serve so that we might be saved. Serving in this capacity reminded me that by drawing together with a team of people I mostly didn't know to serve families I had not met meant God could do some amazing things in a day. What he did was also use these families to serve me. These foster families, their wisdom and their graciousness and their love was so evident. It was such a great witness to the character of God. I look forward to seeing the future of what God is doing in our lives as we continue to open up to serve around us to those we do not yet know. And I'm thankful to have been part of 2028. Well, (laughs) she was going to go first, but I'm going to go first now. Um, She loves piggyback rides, so maybe she'll piggyback uh, after I'm done. (laughs) Um, So we started off the day with two cars. Catherine's Prius was packed full to the top with um, toiletries and and, uh, food and just everything we were going to need. So we started driving towards downtown, and under the bridge, we... um, spotted homeless people for the first hour or so. And it felt so good to just provide relief. Um, I think that's one way we can serve is just instant relief. And just to see people instantly to, to have a lighter load, a little more in their stomach. Um, it just showed me that there are so many poor people and the homes of them all, the thing, the way that they make their home is with like rocks and, um, you know, with blankets and pallets. So it was just crazy to see just how different it is from my life. I live with uh, Russ and Stacy Schultz, and I would have been homeless if it weren't for them. And um, just this church has been a blessing. So uh, then we headed to the, uh, the Red Door Church, and that's where all the homeless people gather. We still had like two-thirds of our supplies left to give. And they all met there, and... We ran out of food, but whenever that happened, I just, I was like, I wish we could give these people a feast, wish we could start grilling, start doing something for them. Um, I also didn't expect to make such a good friend. This girl is so outgoing and bolder beyond her years. So she sat in the front seat while we, while we drove around (laughs) St. Louis, um, and I cannot feel more served by this community and just by everyone who we met. They were just so, they were so welcoming to us. Um, And I think that's how we should be to them. So my last point would be um, to talk about Daryl. He's a man who showed up at the last minute. We still, we still had some water, three coolers and he had four fuzzy little headed kids. Uh, they all had great jeans, big afros, and just this tall, this tall, and this tall. And he had just become homeless. They 
had planned to move here, but their apartment foreclosed and the money that they put down was also taken. So they, they were beyond homeless. It had just struck them. And he, he mentioned suicide. He said, I don't know if I want to live this life. And I just told him that faith isn't believing that God can do it. It's that God will do it. And he was a believer, but we can easily find ourselves in the midst of doubt just throughout life and even in, even in small circumstances. But an extreme one like that really struck me. So here you go. You should be thankful. You should be thankful for things that you have because some people don't have stuff like us. And we should be thankful for what our parents give us. We should be thankful for what God gave us. And I didn't expect that many people to be living on the streets. Or I'd, I was surprised that people didn't even have a home. That's why God takes care of people. <laughs> I'll take it. Now I have two. <laughs> well, wait, maybe I'll need it. See, this one clicked off, and I got backups. It's just a technical nightmare this morning, isn't it? <laughs> well, thank you to everyone who shared, and certainly thank you to everyone who served. So this uh, sermon comes in a series that we're in at Green Tree called Branch Out. We're looking at uh, what it means for the followers of Jesus to engage their neighbors in their culture. And in this case, this morning, we're talking about what else but service. What does it mean to serve? The title of the sermon uh, where I'd like to begin and end is that we have been served in our greatest need. But what does it mean to serve? Maybe yesterday, if you were a part of the service day, you worked on a house. Maybe it looked something like this. Maybe it looked worse. Perhaps you thought of the work you were doing. You interacted with your team. You worked on this house. And maybe you thought about the family that lived in that house. Maybe you met the family. And you were wondering, what's the story here? You see, I didn't grow up in a house like this, but my dad did. The home was broken. The marriage was severed by alcoholism and divorce. And the father left the family. No one heard from him for many, many, many years afterward. The mother had to go into another town, another city, two hours away to find work. And the three children that lived in the house were left there uh, to be raised by their grandmother. That's my great-grandmother, Dora, and my dad was the youngest of those children in that house. And here we have a poor little family in a poor little house. And maybe yesterday, that's what you met, that's what you saw. And maybe you're in here today, and that's your story. You know just how it feels to come from a poor house. 
And so what does it mean to serve in that situation? We're talking about service, right? And if you had a great day yesterday, here you are, tired and happy, satisfied. I mean, you earned the burger, fries, and milkshake that you're going to down for lunch today, right? You donated a second-degree sunburn for Jesus, and you're like, okay, it was a good day. But what if yesterday, it was a hard day in the sense that uh, your shirt was too tight, your team was too weird, you forgot your sunblock, you were moving a pile of dirt, and you don't know if anyone would notice, and you hurt your back. What does it mean to serve in that situation? What does it mean to serve when you're looking at these pictures and you say, I, I need someone to serve me. I don't know how all these people around here have so much that they can give away. I, I need someone to give me service. Or maybe yesterday you caught the ball game instead of serving. Or maybe your kids had a birthday or something like that. And you didn't serve at all. Maybe you're feeling like, uh, a little guilty. Or maybe you're here and you're just uh, a new guest and you're in on a family conversation. The, the question is the same. And it applies to everybody I mentioned and everybody in between. We need to know what it is to serve. So the text, Matthew twenty twenty eight, that's the basis of uh, what's on the t-shirt. The service day comes from Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Please read with me. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Brothers and sisters, uh, the Bible says we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Please pray with me. Father of all creation, the living and true God, please reveal your word to us. Please reveal, Father, yourself to us through Jesus Christ, in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So this is the sermon in in a sentence. Jesus calls his followers to give, to life-giving, gospel-centered service. Jesus calls his followers to life-giving, gospel-centered service. So, this text comes from uh, a time in Jesus' life near the end. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And he's preparing those who follow him to be ready for that event. And even while that's happening, people are still coming up to him and asking, asking him questions. How do I follow you? And here Peter uh, pipes up and says, Jesus, all these people are asking you, to follow. How do I follow? And Peter says, hey, Jesus, in chapter 19, we're the first ones to do that. Like, we were first, right? So what's in it for us? Like, we followed you first, so do we get uh, first prize? After that, uh, two of his other friends, James and John, come up by way of their mother uh, leading the charge and go up to Jesus and say, hey, uh, We want to be great. In your kingdom, Jesus, make sure that my sons have this great position uh, on your right and on your left. And there the the two guys are kind of behind their mom. But they they want it. You can tell the way Jesus addresses all three of them says it's not that way. In fact, in the middle of this request, Peter's, what does it mean to be first? 
Peter, uh, James and John and their mom, what does it mean to be great? Can we do that? Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. To be first, to be great. Serve. Serve. And again, what does that mean, to serve? I mean, surely for us, whom Jesus calls to serve, we can't do just what he did to give life as a ransom for many, to give eternal life. Surely we can't do that. So what can we do and how are we to serve? First, we're called to a service that gives life. When I was in seminary, had a professor who was preparing a class of students, I was in the class, to go overseas and do missions service for a summer. And I'll never forget it. The seminary professor said this to me. He says, uh, you're going to serve, but not in the way that you think. You think you know what you're doing. You don't. You, you, you don't know what you're doing. Don't go over there to preach or to teach or to lead. And I was confused by that because that's exactly why I was at seminary, right? I mean, that's what I'm being trained to do. So surely that's what I'll be doing over there. He's like, no, you're going to serve, but not in the way that you think. You're going over there to ask questions and to learn and to listen. What does a servant do in this culture? And then do that. You're going to learn what it is to serve and do that. Remember the son of God, when he was with his disciples, got up from dinner, took a towel around his waist and washed their feet, the lowest of low positions. He touched the dirt on the feet of these guys and he washed them like a servant. More than that, he took a lower position and he went to the cross. He died a sinner's death as a servant. You see, what we're talking about with life-giving service, I'm saying it costs some life to give away life. See, it's sacrificial. So this is a pretty common one for guys. I say, yes, I'm serving my family with the 75, 80-hour week. I got to push this initiative ahead and then I'll be on the A-team at work. I'll be in a good spot. We'll get compensated for that. We'll be on a good track. And my family will get to enjoy nicer things. Isn't that what they want? Don't you want that? Well, maybe. But did, did I ask, did they want that? Maybe they want the time. They'd rather have the time. The house is fine. The vacation is fine. It's no problem. We'd rather just have you home. I know my wife would say, you know, thank you that you'd swim oceans for me and miles for me. and You'd shell out all this money for this jewelry that's not really to my taste. I mean, thank you for that. Thank you. How about the dishes? You see, life-giving service, it, it trades some of my life what I want to give some of that away. So I'm very encouraged to hear these stories yesterday. The smallest act of service, a smile when somebody needs a smile. A hug when someone needs a hug. A toothbrush when someone needs a toothbrush. We might not think it costs us a whole lot, but it, you know, maybe cost you a sunburn yesterday. There's some, some sweat poured out. 
But even today, whatever situation you're in, even if you're in a very humble situation, just remember just a little bit of my life, a little bit what I want to do, a little bit of my effort traded to give someone else life. You see, we're called to serve in a life-giving way. So maybe to apply this point, maybe uh, we can do something called a, like a, a self-audit of our service. And we can ask ourselves some tough questions. <clears throat> Is my service being counted as service? The people that I'm serving, would they call that service? My service to my family, my service to my spouse, would they say, honey, I see you sacrificing some of your life for my life. I see that. Would they count it? As service, would they understand that you're taking the form of a servant? So just think back to some of your service, maybe yesterday or the day before, and say, look, was, was there a, a calculation involved, a little residual benefit on the top? For what it's worth, do a little audit. Now, we are called to life giving service, but understand, our life is finite, right? We only have so much. Certainly we are not the source of life. Maybe we can lift up someone's eyes with an encouraging smile or an encouraging word. Maybe a donation. Surely that would help. A little relief. But we cannot give anyone the source of life. Life eternal. Only Jesus could do that. That is why our service must be gospel-centered. We are called to service that is gospel-centered. You see, we have to come to, with, to agreement with Jesus on the deepest need of humanity. We need to ask, what is this person's deepest need? And you see, Jesus knows what it is. So Jesus didn't come to build an orphanage. He didn't come to give away toothbrushes. He didn't come to give someone an extreme home makeover. As important as those things are. He didn't dig wells. He didn't teach English in the summertime. As important as those things are. Jesus came to earth to teach the way to the kingdom of God. Jesus came to earth to pay the ransom so that we would have a way to that kingdom. You see, humanity is held ransom is held ransom by the tyranny, the finality, the always present in the background sense of the grave. And Jesus came to deal with that. And so in all of our service, certainly we can't get anyone into heaven, but we can point to it. In our service, we say, look, I'm giving you a little bit of life. But you need to know the author of life. And I'm doing it because the author of life served me. How? He paid a ransom. Jesus says, the son of God. He calls himself uh, the son of God. And here he calls himself the son of man. That's a title from the book of, An uh, book of Daniel. And he says, look, this is a person. Uh, the son of man is a person who shares authority and power and dominion with the ancient of days. 
And the book of Philippians says he didn't count equality with God, though he was equal with God. He didn't grasp that. He took the form of a servant and served. Why? To pay the ransom to the kingdom. And so I'm called to gospel service, not service that's Nathan-centered. I once read a statistic that this millennial generation is the volunteer generation. We have more volunteer service hours going on in this country than we have in a really long time. And volunteering is great and service is great. And there is an immediate sort of, hey, you know, I know I helped someone. That feels great. But the Christian is called to gospel-centered service. So to apply this point, we can gently share the gospel as we serve. And maybe it's not appropriate in the time if you're just shelling out two br- toothbrushes as fast as you can deliver them. You know, maybe it's not time to, to, to sit someone down and, and tell them the whole gospel story. You could say something like this. In Jesus' name, here's a toothbrush. Or maybe when you're doing the dishes, instead of uh, going out and buying the new car that you think your wife might want, uh, you're doing the dishes and you tell yourself... Something simple like this. I'm offering this service in the name of Jesus, Savior of sinners. Does it sound old school? Yeah, probably. Sounds mechanical, maybe a little awkward. Yes. But you see, we're not, we're not called to be comfortable all the time in our service. You see, we're called to bear witness. We're called to bear witness. We're called to be witnesses whose testimony holds up, even in pressure. You could say, hey, I'm offering you this service in Jesus' name. I want you to know that, sir. I'm offering you this $5, not just like any another person offers you $5. I'm saying, I'm offering this to you in Jesus' name because Jesus saved me. So this sermon will mark the end of my service to Green Tree in this time and in this way. I'm accepting a call, or I have accepted a call, to be a pastor in another church. And so I want to tell you about Melvin Stone. I want to end my service here by telling you about Melvin Stone, who modeled for me uh, a service that was life-giving and gospel-centered. So Melvin um, grew up in the town where my dad grew up. He was a church kid, and he was awkward, like many church kids, maybe. (laughs) When he was growing up, the boys called him Goody Two-Shoes. This is a rough sort of cowboy town, and if you weren't a rough sort of cowboy, sometimes you get made fun of. And uh, a few years ago, Melvin told me, you know what, I just never fit in. That was Melvin. Well, there in the poor house where my dad lived with his older brother and sister, and with his grandma, uh, Melvin came to the door one day. He didn't have a bag of groceries. He didn't have a shovel and a rake in his hand. Uh, He didn't have a wad of cash. But he knocked on the door and he said this, would anybody like to go hear a man talk about Jesus? And by some miracle, Theodore Mosier, my father, said yes. And so, many, many years later, in my own house, in the bedroom, my dad told me about Jesus. Fast forward to two weeks ago, 
I'm giving my final interview sermon. As, as preaching goes, that's sort of one of the ways you interview is they hear a sermon. And here I am getting ready to worship and in walks Melvin Stone. And uh, it, it would not have been appropriate for my parents to be there because the congregation's voting and I didn't want to, you know, stack the deck in my favor inappropriately. But so I was just doing my thing and here is the man who's responsible in some way for me standing in that place at that time. And I had to stop everything. I said, sir, thank you for your service. You see, friends, Jesus calls his followers to service that is life-giving and gospel-centered. And when we offer this service in this way that sacrifices a bit of our life, a bit of our time, a bit of our comfort, a bit of our effort in such a way that points to Jesus, the one who served us by paying the ransom for sin, when we do that, we just never know the beautiful, unexpected flowers that will result in eternal life. Please pray with me. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for being so patient and so good. Father, thank you for not giving up on us. Lord, I pray for that man with his family who are, who are on the street that we heard about. I pray for all those kids who are in the pool that need families. I pray for every uh, work that was done yesterday and every life that was touched. And Father, even for the sunburns and the hurt backs and the frustrations and the tight t-shirts, I thank you for all of that. And God, I pray that you continue to lead us as a church in what it means to truly serve in a way that's life-giving and gospel-centered. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.